In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus, Exposed here before us in the Blessed Sacrament. We give you thanks, Lord, for your presence and for life, for the life that you've called us to live in you. And we know that to be a Christian, Lord, to encounter you and have you enter into our life is something radical. We call it a new life in Christ. It should change everything. It should affect everything. And not just now, but always. Our life in Christ is not just for this life, but it's eternal life. It lasts after death. We read in Hebrews, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. We know as Christians that we're pilgrims, that this is not a destination spot. We're just passing through. And that's good for us to consider. Time is short, but eternity is long. Time is short, eternity is long. And even that consideration, right, helps us to put up with with life's shortcomings, with our crosses, The thought at times, well, at least this won't last forever. It can't last forever. Because his life is passing. And so, Lord, we bear up with that hope, with that hope for eternal life, with that hope for the next life, that hope for heaven. And this is good for us to pray about, and our Lord is constantly and his preaching is constantly encouraging us to pray about that, that one day we'll die. And when we die, we'll be judged by God. And he tells us to do that so that we can be ready and so that we can live our life in a way that we're ready to be judged. We'll, we'll die as we have lived. And we'll be judged as we die. We only have one shot at this there's no reset there's no do over it's the one life we have not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day many will say to me Lord, Lord Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house but it did not fall 
because it had been founded on the rock. Lord, thank you for your honesty with us. Thank you for your truthfulness, for your charity, which shows itself in your preaching. Our Lord doesn't just say, hey, one day you'll be judged, but he says, hey, this is what will get you into the kingdom of of God. This is what you should do to be judged well. What is that? The will of God. To enter the will, to enter the kingdom of heaven, do the will of God. And that's a great consideration for us, Lord, that this is, this is what matters. That I constantly be looking for the will of God. And this is why the norms are so important, right? The norms of our plan of life, to put ourselves as we are now in God's presence and to look him in the eye and say, Lord, what is it? What's your will for me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to stop doing? What do you want me to accept? What do you want me to change my mind about? What am I insisting on that is not so important? What do I need to let go? What do I need to take on? Because the will of God is not always like doing more. It might be uh, more a change of attitude. And for some, of us, for some of us, it might be doing less because that thing that we tie our ego up in and we tie our success up and we tie our happiness up in, for our Lord, it's not that important, right? And it drives us crazy because, oh, I got to perform and I got to be like this and otherwise, uh, and, you know, maybe our Lord's like, hey, just do your best and trust, and trust me more. It's not that important. And when I put myself in front of you, Lord, and look you in the eye and let you judge me or tell me what your will is, well, it means I have to stop like making excuses or um, justifying myself or rationalizing or misplacing my energy or my concern or my worry. Right? We do that so much. When we come to pray or we think about life... Many times, it's very easy to worry about what other people are doing wrong or the problems that other people have. And yeah, they affect us. And so we come to our Lord and say, well, Lord, why is she like that? Or why does he say that? Or, you know, why are the Democrats doing that? Why are the Republicans doing this? Why is this bishop doing that? Why is this prelate doing this other thing? And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Because what's essential in the end is God's will for me. And if I can't do anything about those things, well then, what's the point? It's just a waste of energy. It's, it's a smokescreen. It's a subterfuge. It's an illusion. And instead, Lord, to say, okay, I, I get it. Those things are important. They bother us. We talk to our Lord about them. We ask him for help. But the real question is, well, what does our Lord want me to do about it? About anything. And so much of that is, is much more simple, right? I think for most of us here, thank God. Thank our Lord. Right? For most of us, we know like 95% of the will of God for us because we already have a vocation and we're already committed to it and we already have commitments that are permanent. Right? Thank God that we don't have to like 
wonder or search or make things up. Lord, we know your will for us, the duties of our state in life, the people in our life, to live the gospel, to take advantage of the sacraments, to develop our friendship with you, to be good husbands, to be good fathers, to be good friends, to be good workers. The vocation that we already have, it's 95% of God's will for us. And for whatever reason, Lord, we all can do this. It's like, well, we don't want to look at ourselves. We don't want to, we don't want to like be humble and realize, oh man, I'm not that good at that. This relationship, I need to work on it. It's hard. Why? I don't know. It's awkward. It's shameful. It's, I don't know where to start, but that's your will for me. And so I, I have to take a step there. I have to learn how to live that relationship better. I have to, I have to take that on right? and embrace it and take, take a step forward there. Even though it's super hard, that's your will for me, Lord. That's the cross right there. That's my daily cross. And so it's much easier, right, to like, uh, I don't want to think about that, so let's think about, I don't know, whatever. Let's worry about whatever else, except the thing that is like where the grace of God is, right? where the gift of self is, where the humility is. And we could be very good in our own eyes and good in the eyes of others. And, and like our Lord is saying here, we can say, Lord, Lord, a lot. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many, many works in your name and give meditations in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. I've often preached on this and think about it, but what terrible words, what scary words, right? I never knew you. Lord, that there could come a point in which you who created us, who died for us on the cross, who called us by name, that there could come a moment in which our Lord could look at us and not recognize us. I never knew you. That's not the person that I created or redeemed or called. What have you done with yourself? The power of our freedom, Lord, what what happens to us if we don't do your will? Even if uh, ostensibly on the outside we have the right words and we have the right opinions and we're doing the right things, if we're doing our own will, right, Lord, if I'm not becoming like you by doing the will of God, well, then I become unrecognizable to God. I never knew you. It's hard enough when my phone can't recognize me, right, in the morning or whatever. I'm like, what's wrong? What happened? I didn't shave or getting old. But imagine God, right, not recognizing you. And this, and that takes, that takes, what does it take, Lord? It takes a tremendous amount of trust and humility and love. And getting over the power trip, right? Oh, I have to, you know, we're all into this, right? I want to do my own will. I want my way. I want to get what I want, right? Because we're egotistical and we're men and we always, and we think we're right. And so we insist on our own will. And 
And if God doesn't get on board, well, then, 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 then that's his problem, right? And we get mad at God. And this is the opposite of Jesus. Right? Jesus says, I always do what pleases him. Behold, I've come to do your will. And what lets him do that? Well, it's not weakness. It's not, it's not a lack of power. It's not subservience. It's trust. It's love and trust. He, he, he knows how, how good the Father is. He knows how good the plan of the Father is. He knows how much the Father loves him. He wants to love the Father back. And so the ego is gone in Jesus, right? It's gone. The self-will is gone. His only will is to be a good son. And it's precisely sin, Lord, as you know very well, it's precisely sin that keeps us from doing that, right? We buy into the lie of the devil. We buy into the lie of Satan, that God is somehow out to get us, that he's not trustworthy, and so we have to look out for ourselves, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and so we have to make our own plan and have our own will and have our own way. And this leads to destruction, right? I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. And the opposite leads to this great security. Every one of them, everyone then, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It's a house that lasts beyond death into eternal life. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to always get real with you, to cut through the excuses, to stop looking at others, to stop shifting our focus from what we can't do or what you don't want us to do anything about what we can't do anything about to precisely where you want us to work, to precisely where you want us to improve, precisely where, where, Lord, you want us to trust you more. And I don't know the will of God for us. Like, it might not be doing more because maybe we're very active and, and responsible and we do a lot already. Right? It might be doing less or praying more, worrying less about things that we have to do, being less activist. But maybe not. I mean, the average American, I don't think you guys are average Americans, but the average American watches TV for five hours a day. Can you imagine that? Average. And this, uh, this is held steady, apparently, for like decades. And so at first I thought, well, that, it has to have gone down since the advent of the phone. Because surely people's Facebook reels and Instagram, whatever they're calls, and TikToks and YouTube shorts must have cut into their TV time. But apparently it hasn't. That TV watching has held steady even after the advent of social media and, and uh, the phone, right, the smartphone, which is unbelievable. And so I don't know about you, but I certainly waste time on my phone. Uh, if you just wasted a half an hour a day on your phone for uh, 40 years, you would have wasted 
304 days, 7,300 hours, and almost a full year of your life. And I don't know about you, but a half hour, if you add it up, it's not that hard to hit a half an hour hour a day. Um, Just like, you know, scrolling around on your phone or on some word game or Sudoku or whatever. I'm not saying these things are bad, but it's just interesting to, you know, kind of put it in, in perspective. I think at the last judgment, one of the things that might happen is there'll be like a, a little scoreboard that pops above your head, right? The head of your soul. And it'll be like, you know, Tetris time. You know, if you were live in the 90s or Sudoku time, Quirtle time, right? And you just get like this running tally. Everyone sees how much time you just wasted looking at your phone. It's a scary thought. We'll see what we'll see what happens. And so, Lord, maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's it. I have to like be more disciplined and and work more and be less attached to rest and distraction and entertainment and maybe that is part of God's will for me that I that I do more and I just a little bit less hedonistic right always looking for the break always looking for that easy dopamine hit and always looking for that next thing to distract me Lord what is it is it to do more to do less to take something on to let something go what Lord do you want do you want from me? And our Lord is so insistent. He keeps, he keeps insisting that we be vigilant, that we watch, that we, that we not waste our time, that we be ready for, for judgment, that we be ready to die because we will die as we have lived and we will be judged as we die. Right? We will die as we have lived and we'll be judged in that state in which our Lord finds us at our death. And so we want to change while we can. Let your loins be girded and your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the marriage feast so that they may open to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit at table and, will, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the householder had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have been awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Our Lord preaches alertness, right? Readiness to fight against a kind of bad sleepiness, which includes, you know, misplacing our concern or misplacing our urgency, right? Or misplacing what we think is the real problem. It's not out there. It's always, the first real problem is always, in me, we just had it in today's gospel. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. 
That's where, Lord, I accept the will of God. That's where I let things go. That's where I forgive others. That's where I become like you, love, doing the will of God, accepting the will of God. That's the front line, right? That's ground zero. You must be ready, right? Our full attention should be on what, what's most important. And what's most important, Lord, is that I recognize your love for me, I recognize your plan for me, and I grow in trust in you and the Father so that I can do your will more easily. And I overcome my pride and I overcome all the other defects little by little with your help that you want me to overcome so that I can grow in holiness, right, and grow to be Christ-like. And so, Lord, help me not to miss the mark or invest in the wrong Invest in the wrong field, so to speak. And we do this very easily. I remember a number of years ago, I was at dinner with a couple, and they had a toddler, this little girl. They had a couple kids. But um, the little girl had this game that she was playing. It was like reverse hide-and-seek. So instead of like going and hiding um, so that someone would come and look for her and find her, she would leave the room and then like 10 or 20 seconds later run into the room and throw open her arms and say, here I am. And then we'd, ah, that was interesting. We'd laugh and then she would leave the room again and 20 or 30 seconds later she would run back in and say, here I am, right? Like, hey, you found me, right? Look at me. And uh, we'd laugh and then, you know, after about, 15 times, it got a little bit old, but um, but it was cute, right? That she didn't want to be sought, right? She wanted to be seen. That she was rejoicing in being seen. And this is, this is what we have to do with our Lord. It's like, Lord, here I am. And, and I let my guard down. And I stopped making excuses. And if I don't want to work on something, well, start by telling our Lord that, Lord, I don't want to work in that thing. I don't know how to work in that thing. I'm too afraid to work in that thing. Right? You have to help me more. But with your help, I can take some first step. At least I can go and ask someone for help. Right? But here I am. In the examination of conscience, Lord, here I am. And this is what happened today. And Help me with this or that. I'm sorry for this or that. And in the... Morning offering, Lord, here I am. Help me this whole day be for you. And in our mental prayer, Lord, here I am. What's going on today in the morning? Mental prayer. Where are the shots coming from? Where are the opportunities to serve? Where can I live the gospel? Where can I trust you more? Where can I remember you and offer my work to you a little bit more than yesterday? Here I am in the mass, Lord. Here I am and here you are. Behold the Lamb of God. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, right? Here I am, Lord, to receive you. And the Lord says, here I am to you know, eat me. Be one with me in communion. A life with God. But we have to show up and we can't, you know, we can't put on airs with God. Right? The, the only people our Lord really gets mad at in the, in the Gospels are the hypocrites, right? Those who think that they don't need him or those who pretend like they're good without him. Those who really shift their focus on something else that's not essential, which is our sinfulness, that he needs to heal it, and what he wants, right? how he wants us to live. 
And so our Lord pounds the heck out of those Pharisees and those hypocrites because they need it, because they, they're way off. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, Lord, didn't we do that? Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? They're like the Michael Jackson of the spiritual life. You know, what have you done with yourself? <laughs> what have you done with yourself? Right? Totally unrecognizable. I'll try. I shouldn't single out people. You know, I, that's not. I apologize. Poor guy. We can pray for him. He's dead. <laughs> as far as we know. Anyway. Our Lord is interested in the real us. Right? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. What is it? Where do I need to convert? Right? What's the next? What's the next step? We go to Our Lady, right? Our Lady's pulling for us. She's rooting for us. The Queen of Heaven, the Queen of all Saints, and Our Lady, Mirror of Justice. Right? It's a beautiful title of Our Lady that she's this reflection of God. At this mirror of God reflects the holiness, the justice, the righteousness of God, which means that there's no, right, there, there's no opaqueness, there's no obstacle, right? She's limpid in her reflection. She's made her soul totally open to God. And so that has to be us in our prayer, right? Good and bad, warts and all, right? To let ourselves be seen by God, right? As we are. And to overcome any sort of shame or fear or rebelliousness that keeps us at least from wanting to change, right? Wanting to, to trust God enough to change and to say with our Lord, I always do what pleases Him. Because that's the only thing that gets us into heaven, right? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven or those who hear these words of mine and do them or keep them. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.